welcome back for the second to last episode of Chew the Bible for this lovely, beautiful November 21st, 2021. We are in 2 Kings chapter 15, just rolling along, almost done with this chapter, just rolling along. So the heading for this is Uzziah rules in Judah. Uzziah, son of Amaziah, began to rule over Judah in the 27th year of the reign of King Jeroboam II of Israel. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jechaliah from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offer sacrifices and burn incense there. The Lord, well, how does it feel like? It feels like Groundhog Day when I read Second Kings, I promise you. So the Lord struck the king with leprosy, which lasted until the day he died. Ooh. Man, he lived in isolation in a separate house. The king's son of Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events in Uzziah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Uzziah died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David, and his son Jotham became the next king. Zechariah rules in Israel. Verse 8. Zechariah, son of Jeroboam II, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria six months. Zechariah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. I thought Zechariah was a good dude. <laughs> I don't know. I was, oh, all right. Well, I, I don't know why the Zechariah always stood out to me. Is there another? Are there more than one Zechariah in the Bible? Oh, I got to look at this. I, yeah, I could have. I promise you, I thought Zechariah, hey, the Lakers won. Barely. I, had, I was looking at the box scores before I started recording. Apparently there was some big fight between the Lakers and the Pistons. There was almost a malice in the palace tonight. Uh, LeBron elbowed some of this dude in lie. He was not happy about it. All right. Uh, Zechariah. Am I thinking of Zacchaeus or something like that? There is a book of Zechariah. Yeah, there's a book in the Bible called Zechariah. Yeah. I, this was, yeah. See? The name Zechariah means God remembered. Not much is known about Zechariah's life for other than what may be inferred from the book. Hold on a second. There was a prophet, yeah, named Zechariah. Okay, so there is more than one Zechariah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was a prophet. All right, so this is a bad, this is King Zechariah, who was evil. Zechariah the prophet is saying the exact same, spelled the same way. That's what sometimes can be confusing about the Bible is there's some of these names. There's like multiple Josephs. There are, what did we say earlier? What was another name that? It's Mary, there's lots of Marys. Uh, what's one other name that is like very popular used multiple times? Joseph, Mary. Like there was one more. Is it no, not Judah. Anyway, 
I can't think of it right now. But there's just certain names. I've pointed it out before in previous episodes. There's certain names where you have to be like, okay, which one are we talking about here? Because there's like three of them, three of them mentioned in the history of the Bible. Three, four, five, some of them. Definitely Mary and Joseph, I think of at the top, the top of my head. There's more than one Joseph and there's more than one Mary. All right, so then there's more than one Zechariah. There you go. All right, verse 10. Zechariah the king, yeah, not to be confused with Zechariah the prophet, who has a whole book dedicated to him. Let's see here. How far are we from the book of Zechariah? I think that's coming up soon. I don't have all the books of the Bible memorized. I know them, but I don't like, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like, I know there's 66 books, but that whole little song memorization tool people use to know all the books. Yeah. I don't really have that one down pat. Uh, All right, so we got some time before we get to uh, Zachariah. Yeah, we got quite a bit. Zachariah is actually right before Malachi and before Matthew. So, yeah, we got some time. All right, done with the tangents. Once again, Zachariah the king, not to be confused with Zachariah the prophet, did what was evil in the Lord's sight as his ancestors had done. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Shulam, or Shalem, Shalom, son of Jabesh, conspired against Zechariah, assassinated him in public, and became the next king. These assassins, boy. The Bible is full of assassins. The rest of the events in Zechariah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. So the Lord's message to Jehu came true. Your descendants will be kings of Israel down to the fourth generation. I need to go find this book of the history of kings. It's almost like whoever wrote this is like, um, there's too many details involved. I'm just going to give you all the general version of what happened here. I need to go find this book of the kings of the history of kings of Israel. I'm sure there's some juicy stuff in there. All right. Shalom rules in Israel. And why is that not included in the Bible? Why did it say go? I don't know. So many questions. Every time I read the Bible, my mind just has hundreds of questions and things. I could just spend the entire day just going down these rabbit holes in the Bible. All right. Shalom rules in Israel. Shalom, son of Jabez, began to rule over Israel in the 39th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. Shalom reigned in Samaria only one month. Then Menahem, son of Gadai, went to Samaria from Tirzah and assassinated him. Wow. And he became the next king. It sounds like some Game of Thrones type stuff. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but that's what I imagine those little old shows and I don't know, all those old whatever from those times and Romans, uh, Romans, uh, yeah. We hear about the Roman kings and Roman, uh, what do you call it? Roman empires and Caesar types, all that stuff. Yeah. From those times, that whole time period, just, yeah. Anytime you watch those old documentaries about this stuff, I don't know, my hitch, I know, 
I know a lot of history, but there's a lot of history in my head that's kind of sketchy. But yeah, all that shadiness that was going on where a king would take a throne and then and there was always these conspiracies to kill the current king and then yeah, it would take over and kill their whole family. And then yeah, it just kept going on and on and on. That's what this sounds like. There we go. All right, uh, I'm getting on a lot of tangents in this episode. All right, the rest of the events and did we already read that? No, let's back it up. Verse 13, Shalom, son of Jabesh, began to rule over Israel in the 39th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. <clears throat> Shalom reigned in Samaria only one month. Then Menahem, son of Gedi, went to Samaria from Tirzah and assassinated him, and he became the next king. Yeah, we read that already. The rest of the events in Shalom's reign, including his conspiracy, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Yeah, we got to go find this book of the kings of kingdoms of Israel. Menahem rules in Israel. At that time, Menahem destroyed the town of Tapua. Interesting name. And all the surrounding countryside as far as Tirzah because its citizens refused to surrender the town. He killed the entire population and ripped open the pregnant women. Wow. Menahem, son of Gadai, began to rule over Israel in the 39th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 10 years, but Menahem did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He just sounds like somebody would do evil, evil in the Lord's sight. His name sounds kind of like mayhem or something. Doesn't sound like a nice person. But Menahem did what was evil in the Lord's sight. During his entire reign, he refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. My, one of my former pastors always says, he used to always say, more is caught than taught. Our kids pick up more on what we do than what we say. And so clearly... Menahem saw his father do some wild stuff and he was just copying his father's behavior. This is why I have to be very careful about my actions because my kids are watching all the time. Even with me being a co-parent and not around them 24-7. All right, then King Tiglath Pileser, my goodness, these names, of Assyria invaded the land. But Menahem paid him 37 tons of silver to gain his support in tightening his grip on royal power. Menahem extorted the money from the rich of Israel, demanding that each of them pay 50 pieces of silver to the king of Assyria. Sounds very familiar. I feel like I'm being extorted every time I have to pay all these taxes. Wow. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. Sorry, mom, if you listen to this later. She works with IRS, so. Dun, 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 dun. All right, Menahem extorted the money from the rich of Israel, demanding that each of them pay 50 pieces of silver to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned from attacking Israel and did not stay in the land. The rest of the events in Menahem's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Menahem died, his son... Pekahiah became the next king. Pekahiah. Pekahiah rules in Israel. Pekahiah, son of Menahem, began to rule over Israel in the 50th year 
in the 50th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years, but Pekahiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. This is getting really old, God. When, when do we stop hearing this same phrase? <sighs> All right, keep going. All right, then Pekah, son of Remaliah, the commander of Pekahiah's army, conspired against him. With 50 men from Gilead, Pekah assassinated the king, along with Argob and Ari in the citadel of the palace of Samaria, and Pekah reigned in his place. The rest of the events in Pekahiah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. I'm trying to think of a, a title for this episode. I'm trying to make them like little clever titles that make people interested in listening uh i'm almost tempted i try to keep them short too but this phrase they did what was evil in the lord's sight they did what was evil in the lord's sight they did what was evil in the lord's sight this should be the title of this or groundhog day king groundhog day or something i don't know Sometimes I like I get reach a point where I don't even care. I just be throwing up the most I, I throw up the most random titles, even if it has nothing to do with the actual episode or it doesn't make sense to the listener, but it makes sense in my head. Anyway, I just keep going. Uh, the rest of the events in Pekahiah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. All right, Pekah rules in Israel. Did I read all this? I don't say. Yeah, I read. That's how you know it's time for me to go to bed. Cause I'm just like rereading stuff and repeating myself. All right, and some of this stuff just—it's repetitive. Like I feel like I just read that, but it's just repeating itself. All right, Pekah rules in Israel. Verse 27, Pekah, son of Remaliah, began to rule over Israel in the 50th, 52nd year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 20 years, but Pekah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins of Jeroboam, the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. During Pekah's reign, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria attacked Israel again, and he captured the towns of Ijon, Abelbeth, Maka, and Genoa, Kadesh, and Hazor. He also conquered the regions of Gilead, Galilee, and all of Naphtali, and he took the people of Assyria as captives. Then Hosea, not to be confused with, confused with Hosea, look forward to reading about him too. Hosea, he... His wife, I think Hosea was the one whose wife was a prostitute and he went to go get her back. Yeah, that's going to be really juicy. All right. And then Hosea, son of Elah, conspired against Pekah and assassinated him. He began to rule over Israel in the 20th year of Jotham, son of Uzziah. The rest of the events in Pekah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. <laughs> 
All right, what did I just do? Darn it, I lost my spot again. Ah! Sorry, y'all. I somehow turned the page. I didn't realize you could do that by swiping left and right. You could, I could turn the page without having to hit the arrows. I just accidentally did that, but learn something new about using this app. All right, where was I, y'all? Y'all help me out. Somebody let me know where I was. I right, Hoshea, there we go. All right, Jotham rules in Judah, verse 32. Jotham, son of Uzziah, began to rule over Judah in the second year of King year of King Pekah's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Jotham did what was pleasing. There we go. Let's give him a clap. I know you long gone, homie. But here's your uh, your boy Aaron all these years later clapping. But what did you do? What did you do? Where's the butt? Jotham did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything his father Uzziah had done. But capital B, but <laughs> he did not destroy the pagan shrines and the people still offer sacrifices and burn incense there. Hey, I I can empathize because I, if I was the ruler at 25, I would probably, there was something about these pagan shrines Because I read this earlier, I think in the Tony Evans notes several episodes back, like why about why they kept doing these things, and the main thing I I gathered from reading all that is they wanted to be like the nations around them and copy their customs, and that scripture that we're going to read later talking about be we're in the world but we're not of it or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where is it? Or the scripture that talks about uh, we're in this world, but we're not of it. In this world. That used to be an old song by one of those Christian rappers I listen to in this world. But my phone is about to die too, but not. I need to plug it in. Not of it. Scripture, where is that? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is that it? We're citizens of heaven. This from the scripture, where is it? I think that's the one. There's several scriptures. John talks about it. First Corinthians seven thirty one. I'm just trying to find one scripture I can pull out to talk about this. Uh, we'll just do the one about be not conformed to the. Do not, do not be. Conformed to this world. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the this world, or some translations say the pattern. Here he goes. Yeah, verse, yeah, new, NIV says, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Or here in NLT, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm really challenged with this because ah, it's like, all right, God, I don't know. I struggle with this big time. It's like, Lord, how do you do this? Like, how do you do this? Like, how do you function in this world where everything is about money? I get the whole fame and yeah, I'm cool. I don't need fame. I don't need to be a TikTok star, Instagram with a million followers. I don't need all that. I don't need that fame. It comes with a lot of stress and obligations. But this money thing, Lord, (laughs) this money thing right here, that's where it gets me. It's like, Lord, why didn't you stop me? I love my, I love my four kids. I love my four kids. I shouldn't even say but, but child support is no joke, and respond like no one really, no one really fully prepared. I was I was somewhat prepared for adulthood, but I was I realized I have a lot of deficiencies when it comes to being an adult and I thought I was doing well as I was entering my 30s but I I had a breakdown I I like just straight up had a mental breakdown when I hit started entering my 30s and realized I wasn't I wasn't really prepared for adulthood and marriage and having children and but here I am yeah, and responsibilities of life. But here I am suddenly, yeah, in this situation with people depending on me and I feel powerless to help them. And a lot of it is financial distress. Like there was always something that my former wife and I were dealing with financially, like all the time, something would come up. That was the main area. They say in a marriage you're going to be tested in your in your your health. I think it's health, your finances, uh, your sex life. Um, I feel like there's one of like family stuff. Those are like the big areas. Money is the biggest one though, where relationships are tested. You really see people love each other when when money's involved. And, uh, yeah, once I started, I started making the most money I've ever made in my, in my life. And I had a straight up mental breakdown and quit and left. And where am I going with all this? (sighs) There's something about money an idolatry that is strongly tied together. But in the modern day world, it's very deceptive because we would never say like, oh, you know, my hours of TV is an I while me watching TV. There's nothing one thing, there's nothing wrong with watching television or movies or entertainment. But it has become an idol in this country. Um 
there's so many things that and it's hard because you either find that fine balance of legalism but there's so many things in our modern day society that are in a north in north america that we just consider normal but i feel like the holy spirit would if he if we really allowed him to convict us we would have to say they are idols in our lives and i don't know as i'm reading this second kings and it keeps saying uh, even the kings like here we got jotham he did what was pleasing in the lord's sight he did everything his father whose eye had done but he did not destroy the pagan shrines and the people still offer sacrifice we don't have like at least as i know and i don't as far as i know i don't know people just going to some pagan shrine every day or and making sacrifices to these other gods but there are these other gods I need to research more on this. I just pray before the Lord and ask him, well, what would be our modern day versions of pagan shrines? Like what are our modern day? Cause they're so deceptive. No one ever say like, Oh, I'll go worship a pagan shrine every day. But we, there's something wrong when you can sit and watch hours of football, but you can only sit in church for an hour and a half. And you're looking at your watch the whole time yawning and can't wait for it to be over. Sports is definitely a big. I'm not saying it's hard. See, this is the weird religion. This is where like legalism can kick in because I love sports. I love. Yeah. One of the things I love to do is almost every night um, watch uh, the NBA highlights. But if I'm spending hours and hours and hours watching NBA highlights and games and that season passes and tickets, I don't know. This, it's like, anyway, I don't know. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. I just know that time is short. Our lives are short. And we only have so much time on this earth to make an impact. That was actually the, that's what they talked about. I like to watch the little stories in, um, on the Bible app. I like to watch the kids kids ones and um they do a little lesson that's like less than five minutes and that's what the guy was talking about just like seizing the the time redeeming the time where is that all right one more rabbit hole scripture and then i'll wrap it up because this episode is about to be 30 minutes and i still got to wrap up this uh i still have to wrap up this chapter all right, let me read the rest of this and then I'll read that scripture. The re- Verse 36, the rest of the events in Jotham's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. In those days, the Lord began to send King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel to attack Judah. When Jotham died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David and his son Ahaz became the next king. I feel like the Lord wants to say something about this whole idolatry like i had a one friend i used to be a part of his house church so i mentioned multiple times and he he said i'm he i remember him saying that he gave up sports years ago and i guess that made a huge impact on his walk with god and i never really asked him to expound on that and this dude is like six foot five very athletic Whenever we go play basketball with all the guys, like he would dominate us. And he is the 
he's somebody that you would think will love sports, like love watching all the games and just be very into all of it. But he made a conscious decision to give that up. And I've had times where I where I was like, all right, I'm done. I'll delete the ESPN app from my phone. I'm done listening to these sports podcasts. And I, I, I try to find that balance between being Mr. Religious Man or Flan- Ned Flanders, but also being led by the Holy Spirit and realizing like, we have allowed sports to become an idol in our country. And maybe as Christians, if we would give up these idols and spend more time with the Lord, he has something way better for us than these things that have consumed so much of our time. Once again, there's something wrong when it's easier to watch hours and hours and hours of TV, HDTV, Food Network, ESPN, whatever, Golden Girl, you name it, fill in the blank. And it's hard for us to even read 30 minutes of the Bible, five minutes of the Bible every day. Uh, Yeah, hours and hours of video games, hours and hours of work, workaholics. Um, You fill in the blank, you name it. Anything that gets more of the best of us, the best of our time, the best of our energy, the best of our resources, and we get excited about more than the word of God or more than God, that shows you that is a sign that something is wrong here and that we need to have a little talk with God. And maybe that's why some of the things that we've dealt with in the church are keep happening. Because here it says there's something to this. Because it says in those days, the Lord, be, the Lord, the, the Lord is the one like I always say this too. anything that happens in our life. In our lives, any anything destructive that happens, or like I'm talking about, Kurt, like sin. I'm uh, I'm talking about like cancer, sickness, pain, um, lack, financial lack, fill in the blanks, bad, bad, bad stuff, bad stuff. Because people are like, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? It's like. When, Again, good people. Who's good? Nobody's good. <laughs> that 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 uh, assumes that we're all we're good people. It's like no, no one is good. We're all sinners in the hands of a. Uh, <laughs> nah. Anyway, we all yeah, we all deserve death. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right. So anyway, I'm getting somewhere here. Probably stay with me here. So, where am I going with this? Here, anything that happens to us. It has to pass through the hands of God first. So as morbid and as like twisted, like even like when people are like raped and molested and murdered brutally and victims of some of the most heinous crimes. I'm like, God, why would God? It still has to pass. Everything that happened to Job had to pass, he had to get God's permission for those things to happen to him when he was struck with, you know, boils and his family died and all the, his crops all were destroyed. All the bad, bad thing after bad thing after bad thing that could happen to Job, right? It had to pass through the hands of God. And here specifically, 
it says the Lord in those days, the Lord began to send King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel to attack Judah. And that's after. And there's some connection says, but he did not destroy the pagan shrines and the people still offer sacrifices and the burn incense there. I'm here to tell you. Every time something bad has happened to my in my life, like we're talking about real bad stuff, like even one of the most one of the uh, between um, one of the things that biggest things that gets me is like stomach pains. And when I had to have a tooth pulled, I had one of my molars pulled a couple years ago. If that did get my attention, I don't know, like there's something about stuff like that happening, happening. That really gets my attention. I start crying out to the Lord. And then it's amazing how quickly I can go back into like old sin patterns. It is a war every day for me to stay in a mental state of like fear of the Lord, realizing he's with me at all times in every moment of my life and to live as though if he were like sitting right next to me. Would I be watching this? Would I be listening to this? Would I be doing this? What I'm doing right now? And so if you didn't, for those of y'all that listened to this entire rant until the end, if you didn't get anything out of this, just know there's something to this idolatry stuff. And I encourage you, and I'm encouraging myself right now to take an assessment of not not in a legalistic form, but just what things in my life have I given greater held with higher esteem than than God? What have I got gotten more excited about than spending time with Jesus? What am I giving the Lord the best of my talents, you know, talents, treasures, and abilities? So does he get the best of me or the leftovers of me? Yeah, anyway, I could talk more about that. I'll stop there. All right, so yeah, redeem. Redeeming the time scripture. Sometimes I can't always remember a scripture, but I remember parts of it. Uh, Ephesians 5, 16. Yes. Ephesians. Oh, we'll just go ahead and read. This is from gotquestions.com. We'll close out with this. This is going to be just a longer episode. I feel like it's important. Uh, We'll read the whole thing. What is the meaning of redeeming the time in Ephesians 5.16? And then, yeah, I'm done doing episodes for the night. Uh, This be the last one. Ephesians 5, 6, 15 through 16 in the King in the King James Version says, See then that ye walk circumspectly or uprightly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The phrase redeeming the time is also found in Colossians 4, 5, walking wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. In both passages, redeeming the time is related to wisdom and how we walk. That is, in how we live. To redeem something means to buy it back, to regain regain possession of it. Time is a gift from God, and none of us know how much of it we are allotted. Only God knows how much time each of us has on this earth to make decisions that will impact eternity. 
When God says we should be redeeming the time, he wants us to live in constant awareness of that ticking clock and make the most of the time we have. In fact, the NIV's translation of Ephesians 5.16 uses the phrase making the most of every opportunity instead of redeeming the time. Rather than waste our days on frivolous pursuits that leave no lasting imprint, Scripture instructs us to be diligent about doing good. Titus 3.8 The context of the command to redeem the time helps us understand that redeeming the time looks like redeeming, understand what redeeming the time looks like and why it's important. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that would ruin your life. Yeah, I can speak from personal experience. Say that for another episode. Redeeming the time uh, means that we are careful in how we live. We seek out and employ wisdom. See Proverbs 2, 1 through 15. We seize every opportunity and use it for God's glory. We think through our plans and make sure they align with God's will. And we avoid empty, harmful activities such as getting drunk. Why are we to live this way? Because the days are evil. We must overcome evil with good. Jesus taught his disciples the necessity of redeeming. They have scriptures to back all this stuff. Uh, they're talking about yeah, Ephesians five sixteen and Romans twelve twenty one. All right, Jesus taught his disciples the necessity of redeeming the time. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Interesting. John nine four. Jesus was diligent about keeping his mission keeping to his mission. Distractions were as prevalent then as they are now, but he let he let none of them deter him from preaching and teaching God's word. That was why he had come. Though he spent only 33 years on this earth, Jesus changed the world forever because he redeemed the time. It's interesting. I'm 34 right now. We can learn to redeem the time by becoming conscious of the fact that we may not have another day. The song Live Like You Are Dying by Tim McGraw is about redeeming the time. While its focus is on pursuing earthly passions in the time we have left, the lyrics make an important point. They conclude with this thought. Someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. As Christians, we should live like we were dying and pursue all God has given us to do while we have time. Everything done for Christ on earth earns eternal rewards. Mark nine forty one. That which was done for selfish carnal reasons will burn up and blow away. Wow. Alright, another way we can learn to redeem the time is by asking Another way we can redeem the time is by asking God to help us. We should start every morning by committing our day to the Lord and asking him to help us do something that day that has eternal significance. By beginning our day with eternity in mind, we become more aware of spiritual nudges in our hearts. We look for ways we can honor the Lord, help someone else, or utilize our time in productive ways. Sitting at a red light, we can pray for our neighbor. Mopping the floor, we can worship in song. At a restaurant, we can leave an extra big tip along with a gospel tract or a card inviting the waiter to church. We can evaluate our gifts and interests and find ways to invest them for God's kingdom. 
volunteering, serving at church, leading in ministry, taking Bible studies to the jails and prisons, and studying to show ourselves approved unto God are all ways we can redeem the time. James 4.14 reminds us that our earthly lives are no more than a fog that appears and then quickly evaporates. Our money and possessions will be given to someone else. Our jobs will be filled by others. Our families may remember us with fondness, but we'll move on with lives that don't include us. All that remains of our lives on earth is that which was invested in eternity. In the end, all that matters is what we did or did not do to redeem the time. Lord, I just thank you for this word. As I read that, I'm so convicted, Lord. I'm overwhelmed with all the ways I've wasted time on things that don't matter that for eternity, God, and all the opportunities to share the gospel with people or to just be your ambassador, Lord, ambassador. I just pray in the name of Jesus that I pray against the spirit of religiosity and um, legalism because when I read stuff like this, the extreme Ned Flanders Aaron wants to just throw everything away and live like a monk and, yes, not listen to anything, not watch anything, not have any fun. Like, yeah, I turn into that mode, God. And um, I don't know if there's other people that relate to that, God, but. Anyway, Lord, I just pray for our generation, Lord, that you would raise up this next generation, that we would redeem the time, Lord, that we would not, that we would truly live, um, what is the phrase that people say? YOLO, YOLO, you only live once. They would actually, that's not necessarily a bad phrase. It's been used to say I can, to do whatever you want and to try everything and screw your life up, whatever, because you only live once, like just sow your wild oats and yeah just live recklessly yeah that's what that's been used Lord. but i pray that we will live with this next generation will live recklessly for you god that we would not care about what people think that when your holy spirit prompts us to pray for someone or encourage someone or just simply walk over them and tell them jesus loves them or invite them to church or um all these little nudges that you give us throughout our days god once again, not out of a legalistic fear obligation that you have to do this, but out of peace and love. May your peace and your love rest on us, God, and that we would be your ambassadors, Lord. I, I've been seeing fire trucks a lot lately and firemen. I keep hearing people talk about firemen, 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 firemen. You know, I think I don't think I know it's significant, Lord. There are people that are don't know you and don't have a relationship with you and who are going to die and burn in hell for eternity unless we share the gospel with them, God. And we have the opportunity as Christians Lord, to be your hands and feet, to be your ambassadors to be bold and to rescue people lord to be heroes to rescue people from from death from eternal death lord so i just pray god we would not take that lightly that high calling lightly and give us the boldness give us the faith give us the courage to live the life to live out the destiny that you have 
predestined for each and every one of us. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. There's just so much on my heart after reading all of that. And it's kind of overwhelming. But God bless you all. May he keep you. May his uh, face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. And uh, may he give you peace. <laughs> that was my paraphrase of that scripture. I always get the order of those words wrong or out of order. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Go listen to the Kari Job song. I think, is that her name, Kari Job? Yeah, anyway. All right, God bless you. Have a good night.